0: Welcome to this GNNP podcast that's done in association with the British Neuropsychiatry Association. It's a great pleasure to introduce Professor Eileen Joyce, who is my predecessor as president of the BNPA, but more importantly is the Professor of Neuropsychiatry at Queen's Square, uh, the University College London. And Eileen, you were talking today about um, the effects of cognition on schizophrenia. Can you give us a brief synopsis of your findings?
1: It's long been recognized that um, patients with schizophrenia have a cognitive impairment, but the time course of the disorder and how it affects the outcome of the disorder has not been clarified until the last 15 to 20 years. We've been looking at this in a study of first episode of schizophrenia when we recruit people who developed their first episode of psychosis and we measure cognition at that point And then we follow them up one year later and three years later, and they undergo the same tests. And that's to look at whether cognition is present at the onset of the illness and whether it changes over time and how it influences their outcome in terms of function. We know that their functional ability, in other words, how they live their life, their community function, how they interact with other people. is a major disability in people with schizophrenia, and so we were interested in whether cognition influences their outcome in those terms.
0: Excellent. And the main findings were, as I understand, that there was a general reduction in IQ amongst people who, who um, found schizophrenia. How, how, do you, how do you feel we should be interpreting that? What, what does it tell us about the sort of biology of the illness?
1: Well, as as you said, we, we find that um, cognitive impairment is present when the illness starts or when they first present with psychosis and that whatever test you, you do, there is an impairment suggesting that the impairment is, is broad and affects most cognitive functions and that once the illness has started, there's no subsequent deterioration or improvement in individuals who with cognitive Im- impairment. Um, now, you might, Consider that means that affects the whole of the brain. But there is some interesting new evidence from people who are doing research into cognitive function, in particular IQ, to suggest that there's a very specific network in the brain called the um, frontal parietal network that interacts to support intellectual function in health. This suggests then... That general intellectual function is not necessarily fle- reflecting widespread dysfunction of the brain, but may reflect a disruption in the function of this frontoparietal network.
0: Right. And what sort of things do you think might actually influence that? Why, why, why do you think that's occurred? And I suppose the question a lot of people will be interested in is are, are these static or are these amenable to intervention? Yes.
1: The, we know that. Intellectual function is largely inherited, but that doesn't mean that that can't change over time. We know that there are certain things during life that can allow people to uh, reach their optimal intellectual function, and there are other things in life that prevent that happening. So, for example, during childhood and adolescence, we know that stressful social environments, impoverishment, malnutrition can all prevent individuals from reaching their optimum intellectual function now in in schizophrenia there seems to be an overlap with the risk factors for the prevention of optimization of cognition and the risk factors for psychosis so if there's some way that we can ensure that people can optimize their intellectual function we may be able to prevent the onset of psychosis and the reason for this is That studies have shown that impaired cognitive function is actually part of the neurodevelopmental risk for schizophrenia. It's not something that's separate from other risk factors for development psychosis. It seems to reflect some neurodevelopmental process that in itself is a risk factor for uh, developing schizophrenia. So it may be possible if we can intervene to um, ameliorate that risk factor we may go some way to prevent the onset of psychosis, at least in some people. Following the onset of psychosis, it may be also possible to improve cognitive function and help their outcome. For example, we know that studies of cognitive remediation, where individuals are actually trained in various cognitive tasks can also generalize to the performance of other cognitive tasks and there's accumulating evidence that cognitive remediation can not only improve cognitive performance in individuals with schizophrenia but this has a knock-on effect on their function so it may be possible to boost cognitive function even after the onset of psychosis and help functional outcomes at a later date.
0: So these are quite exciting findings then because it both implies that there could be a general public health function in terms of maximising, I suppose, the outcome of every child, which would be a desirable goal in general, as well as some specific treatment interventions. Lastly, just to close, you, you showed some interesting data on cannabis during your talk, and actually showing that people who use cannabis had slightly higher IQs on average, but obviously were at risk of schizophrenia. And does that actually just... Interpreting that just suggests that it really emphasize the risk that cannabis poses to, to young people for schizophrenia. Am I, am I interpreting yes, that yes, correctly? You can, you
1: ter- you're interpreting <laughs> dead right. There's no doubt, I think, from accumulating evidence that cannabis smoked at an early age, say before the age of 15, even if it's on a small number of occasions, poses a risk for the onset of later psychosis in presumably vulnerable people. Um, it used to be thought or one hypothesis was that cannabis did this through impairing cognitive function because we know in healthy individuals that acute intake of cannabis can interfere with cognitive processing. However, in our study, we actually found that the individuals who developed psychosis and who had also started smoking cannabis at a young age had higher intellectual function than the individuals who had not smoked cannabis and who developed psychosis. So this makes it even more important to emphasize the risks of psychosis because given that cognitive function is thought to be either a risk factor or a protective factor depending on the level of cognitive function, these high-functioning individuals, their risk should be lower than the lower-functioning individuals but the fact of the matter is that they developed psychosis presumably because they smoked um, cannabis and their higher intellectual function did not protect them from that. So that just, I think, shows the danger of early cannabis abuse in people who are vulnerable to developing psychosis. that
0: has another very important public health message and is, is probably very important in terms of interpreting the safety of the drug that I think still widely has a a community view of being relatively risk-free, but it, it yes. seems it's anything but.
1: Anything but, I would, yeah, support that, yeah.
0: Well, look, thank you for taking the time to speak to us, Eileen. It was a fascinating talk, and I hope that people find the podcast interesting and be uh, directed towards looking at your work as a result. Thank, thank you, you very,
1: very much. much. Thank you.